Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me this week, uh, for just a two-man show, we have regular Fraser Brown. Howdy. Uh, we are a week late on this episode uh, due to Fraser contracting some kind of plague last week, literally hours before we were supposed to record. But it's a show I'm very excited for. Uh, this week we are discussing Company of Heroes 2, Ardan's Assault, uh, a single-player expand-alone for Company of Heroes 2, a game that Tom Chick and I were not particularly kind to when it came out, and uh, which frankly left me cold in its original release state. This is a chance to both revisit the game and look at this latest expansion. Uh, Fraser, you gave it a very positive write-up over on PC Games, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what Ardan's Assault is um, and what makes it special? Yeah, so obviously we're back in the West after uh, the the Russian core game, uh, and we're given control of uh, basically the the U.S. forces faction from the previous expandalone, which was Western Front Armies, which was an excellent multiplayer uh, expandalone. Uh, but this uh, this faction has been split into uh, multiple companies which are uh, deployed around the Ardennes. The whole thing is kind of inspired by the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, so they're, they're deployed around the Ardennes region in a sort of strategic meta map. Um, and it, it deals with big picture strategy a lot more than any Company of Heroes game has done previously. Um, and so you're really moving these companies around the map, trying to deal with crises and... Uh, kind of random missions and big story missions dealing with the uh, often heavily mechanized German forces. Um, so it becomes this kind of strategy game first, and then you get down into these very dynamic battles, and then it's very much the, the company of heroes that, that you'd be familiar with, but just with this extra level of... of uh, like dynamic missions and side missions. Every time you 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 play a a match, it feels a little bit different. Even if you're playing exactly the same scenario and you're on the same map, these little things contribute to creating this very different experience. Um, it's honestly, I think it's the best Company of Heroes has ever been. Um, it's it's really an impressive game. Wow, um, best it's ever been. I. Well, we'll revisit that because I, I still have some claim. issues. <laughs> it is a very bold claim because this is a series that is that has hit some very uh, high highs yeah, in, I, in the past. I don't make it lightly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about that that meta map because this is a concept that I think Relic has been playing around with for quite some time. Earlier this year, I started playing around with um, the original Dawn of War two, um, not the Chaos Rising expansion, but just plain old vanilla Dawn of War two, um, where where you're the uh, the the Blood Ravens chapter and you're running around trying to put out fires on different planets as the uh, Tyranids and uh, Eldar uh, assault human human colonies. And it had a bit of this meta campaign as well, like the Tyranid invasion on these planets had certain escalating strength, and if you put off a mission for too long, the Tyranids would, would only get stronger, and if you failed the mission, I, I think they would also get stronger. But that was a case of, um, th that ended up leaving me a, a little bit cold, and, and part of that was I think Dawn of War II's uh, mission design w was really crap. Um, if, you, if you remember Dawn of War II, 
it's it's just it's it's they're they were really really small missions um it sort of felt like you were uh you know to, to borrow a phrase one of uh, troy's favorite phrases uh every mission was kind of a knife fight in a telephone boot and uh <laughs> every mission also seemed to end in some sort of god-awful boss fight so that concept i don't think ended up working too well but here, I, I feel like they've refined the formula a little bit, and I think one of the things that, that interests me the most is the, the fact that you have the, these these two concepts of each company. Uh, you have an airborne company, the mechanized company, and uh, sort of a engineering company, a defensive company. Yeah, it's, it's a support company, so it's like a lot of artillery and, and things like that and some buffs. Right. They're, yeah, they're, they're very much about digging in and turtling up. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of these companies is rated both in terms of its company strength and its veterancy. And those, those, two, those two values are a little bit in tension. Uh, and as the campaign goes on, of course, you get uh, requisition points that you can put into reinforcing uh, companies or uh, unlocking special bonuses uh, for, for their, their various abilities. And I, I think that ends up satisfying me a bit more in, in part because... It creates some really interesting situations in the battlefield because as your company takes losses, as you lose troops, um, the, there is there is a sense that you are running through your forces. You'll have uh, the the characters in the company, the like Lieutenant Vastano, the the guy from Chicago who is <laughs> <laughs> commanding this airborne company with this awful awful Chicago accent. Um, he, he'll, he'll say we're running through it. We're losing a lot of men. We've bitten off more than we can chew. And in fact, yeah, you can actually destroy your company basically in one battle and hit a point where you lose the ability to build any new units or reinforce existing ones, uh, which is a huge change and actually gives some some sense of weight and consequence to your battlefield performance. Yeah, I kind of uh, I, I felt that there was always this heightened sense of risk in, in every. Uh, every scenario, you could lose your entire company and have to continue the game um, never getting to full strength again. But the game can actually be completed, apparently, uh, with just one company. You can, it, can, it can be done, it's just the most difficult thing to do. Um, I certainly couldn't imagine doing it, but apparently Relic said that they did some tests um, uh, prior to launch where they, where they ensured that that could happen. But yeah, when you just see your, your, your strength whittling down, it, it's nerve-wracking. And in the missions themselves, you can, uh, as you said, Rob, like, you lose the ability to, to bring in uh, new recruits and things like that. But then out on the meta map, it, it has an effect as well. You can get into these almost like choose-your-own-adventures where you, you hit a province and there's no actual battle there. But um, this random event will happen. Uh, maybe you'll see a convoy of like of Germans going by, and you can choose to ignore them and carry on to your destination, or attack them. Uh, if you succeed, you might weaken uh, one of the the German armies uh, in the province you're heading to. But if uh, you you could mess it up completely, and you have really no control over the outcome, it's it's random. Uh, and you would lose manpower, which would you know you would maybe lose a few units, lose some veterancy. There's it always feels like you're being depleted, um, which just makes it very stressful, but also gives kind of greater weight to each encounter. I feel. Uh, did kind of did you feel a little bit more on edge and like 
pressured during the, the, the fights? Not at first, but once I screwed the pooch uh, a couple times, I definitely started to feel uh, the tension ratcheting up. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example, which was probably one of the best, probably honestly one of the best gaming experiences I've had all year. Um, I was I was playing this uh, th- this battle as the airborne, trying to retake this uh, the, this this Belgian town, and. One thing that's cool here is that a lot of the missions are actually, unlike a lot of single-player missions in RTSs, which bear no real resemblance to the multiplayer, the actual the, the way the game is actually designed, a lot of the missions here feel um, like they're, they're just multiplayer matches with special victory conditions. Uh, and so this one was a total domination map where there are three strategic locations around this town, and you have to control all of them in order to start getting the enemy's uh, tickets to start counting down. And vice versa, if they ever hold all three locations, your tickets uh, start to deplete. So I um, I basically turtled up. I I uh, felt a little overmatched. I was, I was struggling a little bit, so I turtled up around one of the uh, strategic locations, just saying, okay, it'll be a stalemate. And I dug in heavily. And that worked for a little while, but just holding out of that location was just a bloodbath because um, the Germans brought in just this like thermonuclear artillery. I think it must have been like a naval verfer or something like that. It was like you'd hear you'd hear the multiple rocket launcher, and seconds later, you'd just get plastered. Entire units would get killed if they were caught in this. So I was actually eating a lot of losses as this was happening. And uh, eventually, after, like, I was driven off the point several times. I was down to about 90 tickets left to, like, 250 German points. And then I started to fight back. I I, I made a couple amazing defenses, which inflicted a lot of losses. Map opened back up. I I advanced. I retook the positions. uh, Turned into this really pitched battle. And just as it started, like I'm starting to feel like I'm getting the hang of this, and we're 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 trading now. I'm now I've controlled two points, and we're trading over the third, and I'm this close to getting the Germans really on the run. Uh, the game informs me uh, we we're out, we're out of reinforcements. The, the company's been depleted. Uh, we, we've taken a beating here, um, and. Yeah, I couldn't build any more units and re- like depleted rifle squads or machine gun teams could not be reinforced. So the last 10 minutes or so of this mission, I was just frantically trying to take a third point and hold on to everything against these waves of German reinforcements uh, while I was completely unable to make good any of my losses. And so it turned into this real, like... Uh, you know, like a man clinging to a window ledge by his fingertips, <laughs> uh, trying to win this battle. Like, you know, because every time Germans are showing up, I'm just trying to engage with as much standoff fire as possible, right? So I'm just dropping artillery everywhere, burning through munitions. And in great company of heroes fashion, right? Like, this town is completely hosed. Like, by, <laughs> by the end of this mission, like, there was a town here at the start, and now it's just open lanes of fire, shattered buildings everywhere. Like, we have leveled this freaking place. Um but it was really amazing because just these these last like these last few assaults uh, against my positions felt like a, a real war movie as my guys are frantically trying to reposition and each time there's fewer of them to sort of respond to the call and like you've got rifle squads sort of seizing um, you know 
anti-tank guns where the crews have been killed, but now the anti-tanks, the rifle squad is down to like two guys, um, and everyone's super elite. So it was this really, this really amazing Alamo scenario uh, that I think was only possible because it, compl- it the game just said there's no more guys, there's no more soldiers. Sorry, um, you got you got to do this with what you have, which is which is really cool. It sort of broke from the um, RTS mold where as long as your reinforcements, your your resources hold out, you're all good. Uh, this turned into a, a sense that because I'd been sort of profligate and passive with my troops at the start, um, I had this really novel scenario pop up at the end. And then, of course, um, the consequences of that mission were my airborne squad was completely screwed. Uh, there was, there's like, you, they aren't magically fixed at the end of the mission. If I went to the next mission, they would still not be able to build more troops unless I reinforced them. Uh, so I, that's when I started to feel the pressure was on because um, after a couple of my squ- companies got really banged up, I started to realize, like, oh, God, um, if I'm not careful, like, I'm going to be down to nothing here, and I won't be able to win any of these missions. See, that persistency really kind of makes it so much more than just uh, about victory and failure. There are so many different levels. Like you can you can successfully uh, you know complete a, a story mission or a dynamic mission or whatever. You've you've had your victory, but it could be a completely pyrrhic victory. You could end up with just like loss of manpower. All your veterans are are dead, so you're kind of the overall veterancy level of your your company's been depleted. And, you know, you're just worried that the, the next mission will be this company's last. And it almost makes you scared to, to push them too far. Um, it, it's just a nerve-wracking experience. And it, I, I think it's kind of amusing because uh, the original Company of Heroes 2, the, the, the core game, which was all about the, uh, the Eastern Front, through the narrative that was being spun throughout it, it was very desperate and miserable and it was you know, horrible weather and not enough guns but the actual fights never felt nearly as desperate as they do in Ardenza Assault um, I, I, I was very much you know, nervous throughout my uh, the, the campaigns that I played. Uh, you know, that's that's a really great and important point. I think one of the big issues I had with Company of Heroes 2's campaign was that it just didn't have the flavor of the things it was trying to channel, right? It didn't yeah. feel like you were this completely overmatched, scrappy Russian force um, because there were always there there were always more troops. There were always good troops. Uh, and it, it just sort of felt like you were playing Company of Heroes 1 with a different skin on it. Um, but this, because you're kind of being graded on your performance as a commander, it's not just about getting through the scripted mission, it's about like, well, how did you do? Like, how many guys did you lose? How fast did you complete this mission? Um, that introduces the, these great war game elements, really, which is your losses matter. Like, there's 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 victory. There's there's con. There's there there's things at issue beyond victory locations and mission objectives. That that style matters. Yeah, and you, you could have you could be in the middle of a fight. And, and doing quite well, but always your mind is wondering about how these losses that you're taking, even though you're really kicking ass, but how they'll affect you down the line. You start thinking about the big picture, and it's not just about that battle, it's about the entire war. And really, I think that's what the the, the best part of, of um, Ardenza is. It feels like a war rather than just a series of battles that you're progressing through. 
Um, it's not just this linear bunch of fights where you're you're starting on mission one and then ending on mission eighteen or something. Uh, you are, are wandering around this map, dealing with problems as you see them, Ta- and you can you can tackle some of the most fortified German positions right from the the first turn, basically. Like because each uh, each province has a sort of power level really so the german force as it increases in power it gets um, and this depends on the province it gets new things so it might have snipers at level two at level three it might have a bunch of uh, a bunch of tanks uh, in level four it might have like a vast amount of artillery so you're constantly being bombarded but you can dive right into that battle at the start, it's up to you. So you really do feel like you're a, a commander rather than just controlling a bunch of little army men after the commander's already told you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the way it works on that map is... Because there's also a little bit of whack-a-mole going on because German strength at each position is represented by these little... Uh, the, the, these sort of little Maltese crosses, uh, you know, on, on the battlefield. And... So yeah, if they're strength level four, uh, they'll have lots of bonuses, better troops, better equipment. Uh, you're you're biting off a, a much tougher opponent at that point. But when you if you defeat that location, uh, one of the crosses will basically disappear, right? But then the other three will sort of scatter to the next German strong point and end up reinforcing it. So like a level one challenge suddenly becomes a level two, and by and the level two becomes a level three, etc. Um, and so it's sort of like you push down in one place and every other place sort of ends up going up. It ends up increasing. There are ways around this with the way you position your companies, right? You can, And, and this is actually where, where I start to get a little bit frustrated with the structure of the campaign. And that is, I felt, A, it really suffered from the feeling that I was not up against an active opponent. Like, I was so excited when I saw that meta map, and I was thinking, ah, here we're going to have kind of a, uh, a a war game European escalation uh, kind of thing, right? Where you're going to have, like, their turn and my turn is going to be this pitched battle. That's really not what is going to happen here. This is much more um, just sort of what order of operations are you going to perform as you, as you take this territory and the Germans sort of sitting passively back waiting for you to uh, to roll over them. And those missions are very hard, but I did get a little bit frustrated with the sense that I didn't feel like my moves on the strategic map were all that important. There was always plenty more time. Uh, I could uh, once once I'd open the map up a little bit, I could always just sort of maneuver my companies into the right position to block off enemy uh, retreat paths, and there was no real penalty for doing it. And that began to frustrate me a little bit because I could see the outlines of a really cool. Well, I mean, we've we played a game like that, right? Again, European escalation. I think uh, shows how you can do an RTS campaign really well with a strategic layer like this. And this just isn't quite as ambitious, and that lack of ambition. Uh, kind of made the game suffer. The missions were great, but I felt like the campaign structure as a whole was interesting, but it just didn't go far enough. Yeah, it it you as you said before, it doesn't feel like the Germans really have much like momentum. Uh, they'll only get forces only get stronger when other ones are fleeing a battle where you've won, and they'll go and reinforce. Uh, other positions, so you won't see actual Germans moving around the map. Although you do get those 
those little random events where they'll pretend that Germans are moving through the map. Like, so you'll you'll find uh, a, a bunch of infantry marching from one province to the other. They're not really doing that. It's just an opportunity for you to to uh, whittle down their strength a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it would have been interesting to see them actually change position. And there are a lot of provinces that don't actually have um, any battles in them. They're just, like, empty. Uh, and Yeah, there's actually, like, ten actual battles. Yeah. Um, now these battles can change a lot. Like you, I, I remember uh, the first time I played Ardennes Assault at a preview event. Um, Relic were only showing off one battle, uh, but they had like three save points. So it was like the battle if it was like in the early part of the game or the late part of the game, and like on different difficulty levels. Um, and I think I got I, I played that battle three times during that event, and each fight was completely different um, and also like obviously using different companies uh will will change the outcome as well um a lot of you know a lot of times like you really want a, a company with a lot of artillery so that's why you bring in uh support but if you are going as as the mechanized company then you're going to have a very different experience it doesn't mean it will necessarily be more difficult but you'll have to maybe think a little bit outside the box um but I, I would, it would have been interesting to see Germans moving around and actually taking up new provinces or, or new regions. Uh, but I, I, while I was playing, I, I was quite content with the, with the map. It, was, it, it added a new uh, strategic level to the game that it didn't have before. And yeah, I definitely could see it being expanded. And, and maybe we'll see that in, in future expansions or a new Company of Heroes game entirely. Um, so I, I am excited about seeing what Relic will do with it, but I was pretty content with what they what they put in. Uh, it's because it, it's not a you know it's not a game like like War Game European Escalation. It's it, it's you know a very different style of of strategy game. Uh, well, you know, but here's the thing, though. Like, they're already borrowing some of these things, right? Like, I mean, the concept of a force getting whittled down and strength depleting, I mean, that's kind of Wargame's whole jam, right? Mm. Like, if your heavy armor platoon gets wiped out, uh, they might still exist as a formation, but all that's going to be left is, like, a scout car. All the tanks are dead. Uh, so they're, they're already cribbing from some of that. I just kind of, like, for me, for me, it's like, I was content. I'm probably going to replay this campaign mm -hmm. uh, because in the missions, the missions themselves are so damn good. Oh, they really are. Uh, and, and so exciting. I'm, I'm completely on board for, for doing them all again. And I think some randomization, at least the game promises some randomization, uh, there, there are some missions that exist as, like, scripted things, but then the game also seemed to hint that some missions are randomized, and I'm not entirely sure how that works. I, I've only played the campaign once, um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll be on, on replays. You managed to go through and see yeah, if, uh, so you'll get, like, if there are different missions? Yeah, you'll get different, because um, there are two types of objectives. There's, like, the primary and secondary objectives. So the secondary objectives are completely randomized. Um, I think each map has like a, a small pool of, of random secondary objectives. And this is this is the case even with those scripted uh, story uh, missions, which is really nice because you'll be playing through that again and your secondary mission will be entirely different. It might be to assassinate uh, a German commander 
uh, or it might be you're, you're sent to rescue some allies who've been surrounded in a, in a building or, and are uh, being besieged. Um, so, so there are even differences in those uh, campaign missions. And then there are the, um, the dynamic ones where I, I believe they, um, they, the map stays the same, but the actual uh, commander that you're fighting against will be completely different. Um, so you're, you'll be dealing with a different force. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it does make a, a, a big difference because you might be in this map one time, you will be dealing with like all mechanized. So you're constantly being, you know, if it's a, if it's a defensive one, then God, uh, because you're going to be constantly bombarded with tanks and it's going to be a right bastard. Uh, but there, but then you might have to be dealing with ones where they're constantly launching infantry from, uh, sorry, artillery from miles away and you're going to have to start hunting them down. Uh, so yeah, each of these kind of dynamic missions offer something a little bit different every time you, you play it. Obviously there's a limit, uh, but yeah, it's definitely the sort of thing that you're meant to play through more than once. Uh, and it's it's still, even if you do play it once, it's still, I think, a fairly meaty campaign. The missions are not, they're not, I think what it was, Company of Heroes 2 had like 18 uh, story missions or something. Um, yeah. And this is like... 10 overall ones so it's not quite as big as the core game but it's still quite big for an expansion well and i feel the missions are a little better uh, oh yeah i'd say significantly better than company of heroes 2 the, the original ones although there were some yeah. neat scripted ones like uh you know sorry well, all of them are scripted in company of heroes 2 but the 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 ones where you're like going across like the, the frozen river and all the tanks and you see the tanks plummeting into the oh, ice yeah. and things like that they certainly created some dramatic um eye-catching battles but i think the actual quality of the battles and the the uh, tactical considerations were a lot more interesting in uh, ardennes assault yeah and and the thing the, the thing i think that is important here is that this is a single-player campaign that works very well as such. I think Company of Heroes 2, one of the issues that Tom and I both had with it is that we sort of approached it from this angle of, uh, you know, A, as a multiplayer game, it just feels like a, it felt like a step down, both a retread and a bit of a step down from Company of Heroes 1. And I think I still stand by that, honestly. I still take issue with some of the changes uh, they made in Company of Heroes 2. I think not having... Uh, I think selecting your company sort of in advance of the battle and not sort of doing all of that stuff on the fly and sort of choosing your upgrade path, I think that took something away. I don't think it was a good decision. But in the context of a single-player campaign, this is really fantastic, and I think it is important they get something like this because, you know, as we discussed on the show previously, for a lot of people, the single-player is the preferred way to enjoy any kind of game, uh, and it's especially the preferred way to enjoy RTS because it's so difficult to find someone who will be an even match for you uh, online, especially after some time goes by and the dedicated audience has gotten much, much better at the game uh, than, than someone who's going to be coming at it cold. So I think it is important to create these good single-player campaigns where it's not just checking off 
bullet points on these single player missions where it's like okay go to the fuel point in the center and some dialogue's going to happen and then some guys are going to attack and then you move on this is much more um it's it's the good things about uh a multiplayer match where the battles feel very dynamic uh you have a lot of latitude about how you're going to go about fighting them they'll play differently uh you know they'll play very differently each time you go through it um but it's it's still it's still a it's still a single player experience uh, that that is sort of tailored for you to play alone. Um, it's different from like a skirmish AI, which just sort of runs out of things to throw at you. Uh, so I think it, I, I think it's it's great to see something like this that sort of addresses the needs of that audience that really wants to have a good single player campaign and get a little taste of what the multiplayer game really is like without going in with both feet i I think that's a a very good way to put it because there's uh there's a sort of closeness between ardennes assault and the 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 multiplayer experience of company of years two well particularly um western front armies since uh ardennes assault takes a lot from that not just the factions but sort of a kind of design philosophy and the ai often feels like another player they are a little bit more unpredictable, and uh, and when you're going into a battle, you really don't know what you're you're going to be facing. Uh, it, it feels like that th- they're more uh, dynamic, uh, just as the, the mission objectives might be as well. Um, and how you actually um, are dealing with them is quite interesting as well, because a lot of the different objectives will pit you against. Uh, the Germans in different ways. So, for instance, one of the the dynamic uh, mission objectives is um, it's like um, airdrops. Uh, so you're basically scurrying around the map trying to capture these these drops before uh, the Germans get to it. So you basically have to be everywhere at once, uh, and both armies are just scurrying all over the map. Uh, at all times, That's trying such to. a good mission. It, oh, it's, it's one of my favourite missions, and this was this wasn't like a story one. It was it was just a dynamic one, um, and it, it it forces you to really explore the entire map and to really spread your forces um, out quite thin. So you'll just have like one unit positioned in this building because you've it, it's got like a central. It's it's a central area, so you've got a good good view of the battlefield, and you've maybe got that just a little bit better chance of getting that um that airdrop but then you know if you've got like three german units rolling by then you're in trouble and they might take that area that you're controlling out and suddenly you're not going to get to that drop and it's a very short kind of time the germans are quite spry it seems they're very quick to get to these areas um but it was yeah it was very intense and those sorts of missions just fly by as well because you're always on um there's no downtime you're constantly on the move yeah, and you get a little bit of that like pro gamer actions per minute feeling. It's just like yeah. frantically responding to things, and it's so cool when you got like when you see two columns of infantry, uh, German and American, sort of run into each other as they're paralleling toward the same uh, supply capture point, and just all hell breaks loose because they're flinging grenades at like two feet away, <laughs> and it's it's just really it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really memorable uh, a memorable scene, and. Um, yeah, and and the fact that so many of the mission objectives are also based sort of on multiplayer modes, uh, so that that sort of uh, gives you an easier run into maybe making the jump to multiplayer. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things 
with with what this campaign is doing that I, that I find really valuable. This is this is something RTS campaigns I think definitely need more of and embracing this this mix of scripted like authored missions and then slightly more dynamic missions uh, is really really cool. It's a it's a really neat idea and something I hope to see much more of like you know, honestly, if Relic wanted to start churning out Company of Heroes expansions that were like this, uh, I am completely on board because I'm playing this and I'm thinking, well, God, like, what sort of cool stuff could they do if they went back to the Eastern Front? Or uh, maybe reintroduce the Tommies, uh, which were one of my favorite Company of Heroes armies, uh, and, and give us a cool, like, British campaign set in, like, uh, you know, can. That'd be great. Yeah, it does open the door to a kind of a new style almost for for Company of Heroes games. Um, but you, you never know; maybe Relic wants to do something entirely different because if you the, we've we've had two expandalones for um, for Company's Heroes too, and and they are both so massively different. Western Front Armies is purely multiplayer, and yet interestingly enough, it, it Relic describes it as a sort of entry point the series which i find I, I find that very unusual because i think most people when they they start out um with it with a new rts uh they will be going through the, the single player stuff before embarking on some multiplayer shenanigans because they want to get to grips with it um but yeah relic were really saying if, if you want to kind of know what company of heroes 2 is is, is all about or, or the series as a whole then then get western front armies even though you'll be that seems, that seems like an odd thing to say why, why do you, why do you think they they took that line i I, I honestly think it's because the the way they they changed the faction. So you've 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 got the the um, Oberkommando uh, West and the U.S. forces, um, and and it's it's a very kind of straightforward thing at first. You've got these two very much opposing forces. Then they they are they do feel slightly asymmetrical, um, but then within them you've got the different commanders, and it's, that's what gave birth to the uh, the different U.S. forces in Ardennes assault. But I I think it's because they, there's just a little bit more diversity in it. It gives you more player control to kind of customize your force and get into the nitty gritty. Um, with the the single player campaign of um, Company of Heroes Two, you're kind of just going through the motions. You're you're just progressing with the game rather than maybe going your own way and, and experimenting with uh, with different setups. So I think it's it. it they think it's more of a, a good way to get your first uh, experience of Company of Heroes because it'll train you almost. Because <laughs> I do feel that it trained me for Ardennes Assault because you are even though the uh, the factions in Ardennes Assault or the the companies are different from the U.S. forces army in uh, Western Front armies, it's based on that. So it's almost like playing against other players was practice for this rather uh, challenging war. Because I, I, it is, I think, the most difficult uh, Company of Heroes campaign has been. So maybe, yeah, maybe they're trying to make players better. <laughs> it's an interesting notion. For me, I think I'd still recommend uh, Ardan's Assault kind of as the entry point, because it's going to get you sort of prepped to play the uh, the multiplayer game, but it's also going mm. to be sort of a replayable thing in itself. I, I just think the world of this approach—it's it, an interesting—it's—it's it's interesting they take the line that the uh, Western Front armies are, are the way to get into yeah. the game. Of course, they said this before Ardennes Assault came out. This was what they were saying. Yeah, they're, they're probably—they're probably just being like, "Oh, look, it's because what we've got. <laughs> yeah, so you it, should totally buy it." Exactly. It could very well be a, a, a marketing thing, and they're just like, "Hey, we really want new players to come and start with this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think what I what I've enjoyed most about this expansion is that it really sort of brought back. Um, it's reminded me of what I love about Company of Heroes in general. I, I felt like with the the original release, I was I was still a little too hung up on Company of Heroes. Well, I still am hung up on Company of Heroes one, but I think my disappointment with Company of Heroes two uh, sort of obscured the fact that I still really enjoyed about ninety percent of of what this what this game is. Uh, and it's it's been so good getting back to this RTS, which is still kind of like none other. I mean, the destructible terrain, uh, the way it looks, like everything about it is so exciting and so vivid, and it is such a war game in, in some ways, right? Like especially, you know, yeah, the new stuff they've added in makes it feel very war gamey. Well, yeah, and especially because now that you can't just sort of brute force solution. Uh, you can't you find a brute force solution to each each mission because if you do because if you're just like blowing through hordes of guys you're going to lose your company so now it becomes much more about like how can I really micromanage this one anti tank gun this bazooka team this machine gun team and these two infantry squads how can I how can I use these guys to crack that next position like what's the most effect how how, how can I be most effective with them. Um, and it just, that sort of puts me in this. It put me right back in this mindset of my favorite things about Company of Heroes, where these sort of um, you know desperate snap defenses, guys taking position and heavy cover, um, and, and sort of keeping my veterancy up. Uh, so 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 getting back to this has been um, it's 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 really been a great reminder of what was great about this series all along, and how really to this day nobody else is uh, nobody else has mimicked it. Nobody else has really really gone anywhere uh, nobody else has pursued relic into this territory yeah i um I, I, you know as i've said already several times i absolutely adore it and I, I i do think it's the the best that company of heroes has been uh i i liked company of heroes 2 a lot a lot more than you did rob um and i think it takes the the, the best bits from from that campaign and then just so it's got this kind of great solid foundation and then just builds on it and builds on it on all these different layers um and you know every time i was about to start playing i was i was excited and and it's not that often these days that i get really excited about an rts because there just aren't that many of them uh so it it just felt very refreshing uh and i and knowing that i can just go back to it and if i've got like you know an an RTS itch that needs to be scratched, knowing that I can just reinstall the the game um, and have potentially quite a few different new experiences. Um, well, it's just it, it's fantastic. It means that I can I can keep playing this for, for a good long time and until the next expand alone comes out. Um, so yeah, it makes me a little bit giddy, really. Uh, even though it also makes me miserable because I'm actually quite bad at it. <laughs> Uh, I really struggled with a lot of those those uh, challenges that uh, the Germans fling your way, um, but it forced me to be a little bit better. And as you said, Rob, it's not something you can just brute force your way through because yeah, you might win one battle, but then the next one's going to be significantly more difficult, and it might be your last. Now you're rewarded with uh, extra requisition points for each uh, battle victory, right? Yeah, but they are they are small. Um, and yeah. you really have to think about how you use them. Uh, like you might use them to uh, to kind of reinforce um, 
the, your troops, but you will that there's there's a cost to that as well. So you're not just losing your acquisition points, you're also losing your you know a bit of your veterancy as well because you're filling your uh, your company up with a bunch of of new troops. Uh, so it always feels like there's a risk to whatever you're gonna do, and there there are so many different. Um, uh, things that you can upgrade for your company, uh, both new abilities and um, kind of augmented versions of them. There's a lot to spend your requisition points on and you have, you know, you've got three companies to worry about and uh, just not very many points. Um, so it's very desperate. And so you really do, you, you not only need to, to, uh, to win and get these requisition points, but you need to win in a way that means you won't have to spend all of them in reinforcing that company. Yeah, uh, and that's certainly I think it, my current campaign is in a position where now my mechanized companies really is going to be my only company. Yeah. Uh, and the others are just going to be blocking forces uh, because reinforcing them to any kind of useful strength is just going to deplete me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm interested to see what will happen the next time I play through it and I've, I understand the rules a, a little bit better. Uh, I got to say I'm a little... Damn it, I wanted this to be a little more Battle of the Bulge, though. Like yeah, it's 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 a mop up. It's a campaign about a mop up operation. Yeah. Like if this is if this is Band of Brothers, this is all about like the assault on Foy and none of it about the defense. Like, and it's it's a little doubly frustrating because the campaign opens with the Germans like shit hammering your lines and everything goes to hell and it's like oh my god the Battle of the Bulge has just started, and then the next mission is like well we're relieving Bastogne after <laughs> two weeks of fighting and I was like wait wait. There are two weeks of fighting. Let's 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 do that. Like let's talk about those two weeks of fighting. And they're like, no, we gotta we gotta clean these Germans up out of this salient. And that disappoint that that kind of crushed me a little bit. I so wanted like part of this campaign to be about well about the Battle of the Bulls as we think of it, right? I wanted yeah. I wanted it to be like defending Bastogne with the Airborne and Saint Vith with uh, the the Second Armored. I wanted those desperate defenses, and and the campaign's kind of like. Eh, how about we just have the Americans going on the attack? I think it's you know it, it's a little bit conservative in some ways because of that. Um, because yeah, it it kind of it does mean that you've got this sort of forward momentum right from the start. You're not locked into this um, you know grim siege, so you're able to just go where you want and fight who you want, and uh, it's a bit of a journey. Um, Whereas, and I, I think just kind of lo at the start having those those two weeks of of uh, um, of desperate desperate fighting um, in Baston would would be interesting, but I think maybe harder to sell. Yeah, I mean maybe, maybe. it would have been nice to even though like, I guess if they because they've got a sort of tutorial uh, three little tutorial missions at the start. The idea yeah, do you have to replay those each time you start the campaign? Yeah, so they're basically uh, like. They are teaching you how to play as as the uh, as the companies, uh, the three different companies. Um, if that had been replaced with um, with the actual Battle of the Bulge, as you know, as as, as uh, we know it in in, in Baston, then that would have been a very interesting way to start it. But maybe a little bit difficult as well. <laughs> I think it might have it, lose some uh, a bit of meaning if it was just a sort of tutorial mission. Uh, and thus a little bit easy. 
I don't know, but like Alamo missions are usually like because that's what it is, right? It's it's kind of an Alamo mission. Yeah. Usually, those are a really easy way to sort of uh, get up to speed, right? Because if your objective is ultimately to hold ground and put like use defensive firepower, um, that's a far easier challenge in this game because it's about positioning mm. your guys and then kicking a lot of ass from those positions. It becomes almost like tower defense. Uh, now, admittedly, the the first mission with the support company kind of is that you're defending. Um, uh, you're defending the. Uh... Oh, it's as they're escaping, isn't it, or something? It's no, like no, 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 no. They're defending the ridge on the northern part of the salient. Ah, right. Uh, yeah, so you just you just throw back wave after wave of German assaults on this on this ridge line, uh, and it's 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 kind of too easy actually because it's basically like you you're holding this like World War One trench network, uh, and the Germans are coming up this this blind ridge and just getting slaughtered. But still. I could see I could see cool missions coming out of that, um, and I, I'm just a little bit I'm a little disappointed when I hear something like called Ardan's assault. Um, <laughs> when I, like who did the assaulting in their dance? I tend to think it was the Germans, <laughs> um, and and here it's it's more of a there there's there's no way to disguise even the campaign structure doesn't disguise the fact this is a mop up operation. Now the battles themselves are desperate, uh, but you you're still kind of like well time to go. We've got a big pile of germans in this belgian village you are basically turning a red map into a blue map <laughs> yeah yeah uh and, and and so again that kind of added to the uh the, the again what, what this campaign really could have used is is, is some sense of there being a back and forth an, mm-hmm. an opponent uh would have been really cool um it's a different sort of game, but you know, having played a game like European Escalation, uh, you know, it now exists within. There, there's models for it. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see that adopted. Uh, that said, it's it's still well worth playing for for those missions. Um, but the best company of heroes has ever been. I will give it to you that it is the best company of heroes has been as a single player experience. Mm. Hands down, this is it. Um, Although that original campaign in Company of Heroes 1 was pretty good. Oh, yeah. uh, it was also very much cribbing from um, Band of Brothers. Uh, and you're sort of following along with, with a lot of familiar set pieces. Uh, but that's a much more traditional RTS campaign. As a single-player experience, this is this is the tops. Uh, it's, it's the Mona Lisa. Uh, I'm now just, I think, uh, using jazz lyrics uh, <laughs> to describe my feelings. Uh, but... Best Company of Heroes has ever been. I think that puts you back into Company of Heroes 1 territory with the two German armies and the Americans and British. And I still think like that was kind of the pinnacle of the series for my money. And I, I have a hard time saying that Company of Heroes 2, even with even with uh, Ardan's Assault, uh, beats it out. So I, I, I think um, just with the, the, with, with the expand-alones... Uh, both of them together with Western Front armies for the the multiplayer experience, which I thought was was fantastic and a, and a vast improvement. Kind of it, uh, it really revitalised the multiplayer in Company of Heroes too. Um, and then combining that with our Densa, I think you're getting a sort of perfect experience. Um, although I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I absolutely loved you know I loved the Company of Heroes one campaign. I loved the multiplayer. Um, I had some some great expansions. Uh, there's no denying it is you know one of the best uh, strategy games uh, ever made. But I, I really yeah I I just I enjoy Ardennes Assault more. Uh, but then again, it's been a very, very long time since I played the original Company of Heroes, so maybe it's 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 time for me to go back and 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 try it again and see how it it stacks up after playing our Dance Assault. 
Yeah, it's uh, definitely a game I, I actually would kind of like to revisit. I'm actually undergoing kind of an RTS renaissance, actually, <laughs> right now. Like, I mean, I'm playing the hell out of Company of Heroes 2. Uh, I just started playing a game called Grey Goo. Oh uh, yes, from Petroglyph. Yeah, yeah. Have you had a chance to look at that? I have not played it, but I have. I have uh, consumed many videos, and it looks absolutely marvelous. Yeah, I gotta say, like I've generally not been the biggest uh, Petroglyph fan in the past. Not the biggest fan of, uh, well, not not so much about Petroglyph, just that that whole style of like Rush RTS, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like a Harvester RTS. You know, I kind of felt like I'd outgrown that uh, ages ago. Uh, you know, once once games like, well, like what Relic did, Dawn of War one uh, came along, and then you see later games like uh, War Game and Starcraft sort of. Uh, goes in this really interesting uh, high-speed micromanagement direction. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like games like that have been surpassed, but I'm, I'm playing Grey Goo a lot these days, and, uh, you know, it's it's a different model of RTS than I've played in a while, and damn if I'm not damn if I'm not enjoying it. Uh, so I am... I, I'm kind of... I'm surprised how much of my time right now is going into RTS games, and uh, hopefully 20, like, you know, starting this winter and into next year, it becomes like the year of the RTS in much the way that uh, this past year was the year of the 4X. Uh, it's 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 good to sort of have these games back in regular rotation. Oh, definitely. It's a, it's a very unusual time uh, to be a, a an RTS fan, uh, just because we've, we've been kind of kind of so desperate for games uh so yeah i'm definitely uh gray goo is on my radar uh so yeah i'll be i'll inevitably be picking that up yeah but i i think if you know it, you know where the the win the the steam holiday sale is almost upon us in fact as i open steam it is telling me the holiday sale is almost <laughs> upon us um no, I'm sorry, the holiday auction is underway. But when the Christmas sale begins, when the holiday sale begins, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of deal on um, Ardan's assault. Uh, I, I suspect you're, there's going to be some kind of discount for that. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's just been an absolute blast. And if you are one of those RTS gamers that finds the the pace of a game like Company of Heroes a little overwhelming and the multiplayer experience a little bit, um, unrewarding because it's it's so tense and it involves so much ass kicking. Uh, then I I really think this is this is kind of the the perfect single player uh, campaign for Company of Heroes, and uh, yeah I just I can't recommend it strongly enough. It's it's worth every penny. When I'm done playing through this one, I'm going to go through it again. Uh, so strong recommendation. And uh, as far as a single player goes, I'm absolutely with you, Fraser. Best Company of Heroes has ever been. Go, uh, go buy it and put the Steam code in your stocking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, and to those of you listening a little late, uh, happy holidays. This is not our Christmas episode. This is not our holiday episode. Uh, but uh, chances are many of you will be getting around to it around the holidays or uh, the new year. There may be yet one more disruption to Three Moves Ahead service uh, around New Year's time uh, with both me and Troy traveling and Troy going to the absolute ends of the earth uh, for, for his holiday plans. Uh, we may not be able to get together to record a show around New Year's. Uh, my apologies for that. There are just probably going to be too many logistical challenges uh, to, to, to figure out how to get Three Moves Ahead uh, going without interruption 
tension through the entire holidays. That said, we do have a year-end wrap-up show uh, coming to you next week that we're recording this week, uh, and hopefully we can squeeze something else in, but at the very least, we'll be with you through uh, much of December, and uh, we'll pick this back up in early January. Uh, as always, my thanks to Michael Hermes for cutting this episode together and being so patient with our uh, irregular schedule. Uh, I think we can blame Fraser's uh, dodgy immune system for that. <laughs> and, of course, Fraser, thanks for uh, spending the few hours before your shift today uh, talking about Company of Heroes. Always a pleasure. That'll do it for Three Moves Ahead. Until next week, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>